Open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Last three verses of that 11th chapter. They have been speaking to me. I hope I can allow that which has been spoken to me to speak to you. Amen. Matthew writing in the 11th chapter, recording the words of Jesus, verse number 28. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn, and you shall find rest, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Let me read that same passage of scripture. From the message translation. If you would allow me. It's a very... Loose, but sometimes it just the way it speaks, it just speaks so much more to me. And this is how it reads Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. Amen. Amen. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight from the subject, what one man calls a burden, I call a blessing. Amen. Say that with me. What one man calls a burden, I call a blessing. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. There are some words of Scripture which seem to be like the pole star, the north star in the skies and the heavens above. That is conspicuous as the North Star is to the astronomer, so are these particular truths to the reader. You never grow weary of gazing at them and pointing at them and reflecting upon their beauty and also upon the fact that they help keep you pointed in the right direction. This is one of those texts 
It speaks volumes to me. Every time that I read this text, I see something that I haven't seen before. And it speaks to me. Most often I have heard it preached and I have myself preached in the form of the heavy laden and the burdened. And certainly that is part of the focus. But there is an aspect of this that brings the totality of what Jesus is saying into clear focus. To me, this is one of those soul-stirring texts that every time you read it, you feel lifted up. Every time you read it, you fully understand it to some fresh insight. If you think you fully understand it today, read it tomorrow. And the next day, and watch what happens. It is not only a soul-stirring text to me, but it's a soul-saving text. Amen. If we could grasp the truth that is bound in these words, it would certainly save us from a lot of misery and a lot of heartache. Amen. There is perhaps no verse in Scripture that has been handled in pulpits more frequently than this one, and yet it is yet to be exhausted and never will be because it is a timeless word. Here are promises that are fitted to give and present to a man immediate relief if he takes them to heart and if he embraces them and is willing to yield to them. Many a weary, burdened, struggling, tired, worn out, burned out, troubled soul has found their direction by reading this passage. And by them they have been directed into a safe passage. There is such a sweetness to the precepts that are here that I would only hope that I could even shed a little light on them tonight. Amen. This is one of those messages that kind of slipped up on me. I've been reading it and reading it and rereading it and reading and rereading it and asking the Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Many months ago, I went back and I, I, I realized that I had written notes down months ago Never have preached from them, never have gone back to them. But in reading and rereading today, there are some things that the Lord has spoken to me that I think are life-changing. Amen. Most scholars believe that these words were directed by the Lord toward the religiously orthodox Jews. Because they were the men who were laboring and wearied by religion, by laws, by trying to fulfill all of the 600 and some odd uh, addendums that had been added to the Ten Commandments. And in laboring and working continually, trying to do it on their own and by their own means, Religion or their their spiritual life had become nothing more than just a ritual, and it was just a routine. 
most important, it had become a burden. That's what happens when your spiritual focus gets off. It becomes a burden. It becomes a labor. It becomes an effort. You get tired, worn out, burned out. I've had people tell me in times past that they, when asking them about why they were not coming to church, is they were burned out. And I got to thinking about how, how do you get burned out on something as powerful as the Holy Ghost? But it happens when the Holy Ghost becomes more comfortable than a relationship. When the ritual becomes more important than the relationship that you have with him, then certainly living for God sometimes can seem like a task. It's toiling. It's weary. And there's a lot of people that try to live for God in their own power and by their own knowledge and ingenuity. And even though the Lord saved, fill them with the Holy Ghost, that doesn't mean they've been transformed yet. I was reading this today, and there were four words that jumped out at me as I went through it again, and I read it, and I read it, and I reread it, and every time I would go back and read it, these four words were prominent. Number one was the word come. Come unto me, all ye that labor. That was the invitation. That was the opening of the door for a man or a woman to come into a relationship with him. It was what we would consider the infantile beginnings of spiritual life, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and infilling of his spirit, repentance, and all of those things that happen at the new birth experience. Those were the beginning steps. That's the come. That's that's the responding to the invitation. That's accepting the offer, which is the greatest offer that's ever been made to mankind. But sometimes that's as far as people get in their spiritual journey. They just come. But he went on to say, not only must you come, but he said you must take. You must lay hold of something. You have to let some things lay hold of you. And 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 when you do, your 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 spiritual beginnings begin to develop into spiritual maturity, and growth happens, and strength comes, and development comes. And so you come, you take. You learn. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Amen. I'm I'm not a hard person to get along with. I'm not a hard person to deal with. I'm 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 pretty pretty good for you. I'm 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 actually your best friend. Amen. So when you come, don't just stop at coming. Don't just get excited like a lot of Pentecostal people do about their newborn experience, and that's as far as they travel in their spiritual journey. They can tell you everything about the Holy Ghost you want to know, but they don't know anything about the fruit of the Holy Ghost, which is the fruit of the Spirit, the outworkings of that 
experience. You know, it's more than just goosebumps and a little tongue talking. It's supposed to result in some evidence in my life that there is something in me that that has transformed and is transforming me. And so you come and you take and then you learn. And then he said, you find. Amen. You find. Come speaks of an invitation. Take speaks of a decision. Somewhere in your spiritual journey, you have to decide to go deeper. To grow up in him. What did Paul say to the Corinthians? I should be coming to you with meat, but I'm having to bring a bottle. Because you have gotten stuck in your spiritual journey and you're still, you may not be a babe, but you're acting like a babe. So I've got to feed you with milk because you haven't allowed what God began in you to continue to produce what God put it there to produce. And so it's important that once we have taken that step and we have given our heart and life to God and we have repented of our sins and we've been baptized in Jesus' name and we have been filled with the Holy Ghost, that we walk on into the newness of life. That there's actually transformation. Amen. That I become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That even though I I, I have... A personality bent a certain way, that bent does not have as much influence on me as it once had. And the closer I walk with him and the more I relate to him, the less and less it controls my life and he controls it for me. Amen. Stay with me. Amen. All right. So. Here is this progression. Come, take, learn, and then you find, you discover. So there's decisions that are made when you take. You have to make up your mind. God's not going to make this happen. It's, it, it isn't even going to be happen. It's not going to happen even when somebody lays hands on you and prays for you. It's got to happen in here and in here. You have to internally make that step and that choice to go on to know the Lord. And then there is the learning process. And that, to me, speaks of development. When you're learning something, you're growing. Now, the problem with a lot of folks is they have come, they quit learning. They think they know everything. So, I mean, you, it doesn't matter what the preacher preaches. It doesn't matter how to serve. They don't learn anything from that. I preached all over the United States, and I preached in churches that were big and small, and some were ultra-conservative, and some were ultra-liberal. And I never let any one of them determine what I was going to be. But I saw things that I wanted to do, and I saw a lot of things I didn't want to do. But what I did learn, every place I went, I asked the Lord, God, teach me something about ministry and teach me something about reaching people 
while I'm here in this location. Because I want to learn from every experience. The problem is a lot of folks go through a lot of experiences in life and they don't learn anything. They just keep going right back through them too. They may have a different package to them, but it's the same base purpose. God's trying to teach us something. And so there's a development that takes place as we take of him. There is this development and growth, and as we develop and grow, we begin to discover that this is the best life there is. There is no better life than living for God. It's blessed. It's blessed. It's abundant. It's forever, too, on top of that. It's not going to end when this world ends, but there's going to be another world that you and I are going to get to participate in and not just be occupants of that place, but he said you're going to rule and reign as kings and priests. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Make, I will make you rulers over many. Good and faithful servant, because you've been faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. He was talking about the kingdom to come. But that doesn't happen just because you come to him. It happens because we go all the way with him. That we are willing to receive from him everything that he has involved in this. So these words that Jesus spoke were perhaps, in fact, directed toward the religious Jew that was spending his time trying to make all of this happen without the help of God. He was trying to obey the law, but he didn't want the law to have an effect on him. If you read the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees over and over and over again because they laid heavy burdens on others to bear that they weren't willing to carry themselves. So that law became nothing but a ritual. And they could quote it, they had it memorized, but the spirit of that law did not exist in their life. And when the spirit is removed, the Bible said that the letter killeth. And so here were dead men going through these dead rituals. And they couldn't understand why I don't get any fulfillment out of this. And they were tired. They were weary. They were toiling. They were working, working, working. But you can never yourself work enough to fulfill That spiritual need that's on the inside. And so religion became a burden. Amen. Everybody say a burden. It became a burden. He was continually trying to measure up to all of the laws and the bylaws and the by-by-bylaws. I mean, every time, if you really get into the depth, it's almost humorous. You talk about splitting hairs. They split the hair that was split. 
that was split, that was split. For instance, there was the law of the Sabbath that you could only go a certain distance on that Sabbath day. Well, that was too restrictive. That, that, that kind of kept them in close quarters. So they figured out a way to expand that border, that boundary, by making these minute little determinations that if you just carry it to here and then lay it down and then pick it back up, you can go a little further. And so they were constantly taking that law and trying to figure out, now how can we make it work for us? supposed to work on them and to work on us. What the law was supposed to do, it was supposed to work on them. They were saying, now how can we make the law work for us? And they'd split those hairs and split those hairs until they'd come up with 600 and some odd bylaws and bylaws. Amen. You talk about tough to go to church. I would hate to go to a church where uh, that, that was the rule. Amen. And so they were wearied. I, I, I'm, I'm tired just talking about it. <laughs> I feel heavy just thinking about it tonight. But what struck me when, when I was reading this this morning early is that in reality, even though he may have been speaking to those religiously burdened people that were thought they were doing the right thing, but they were doing it the wrong way. It struck me that this is in reality an invitation to a better way of life, to a better way of living, to a more productive, more fulfilling life. Now, many folks do not see that because They get hung up on some of the words that are found in it. One of them being the word yoke. (laughs) That's what throws a monkey wrench in the whole equation is that word. Most folks would not consider that an avenue by which life could be made better, but heavier. More toilsome, more laborious. And that, to think that if you took that yoke, that your life would be more productive was almost repulsive to them. They could not imagine. How is my life going to be better if I add another burden? Now, I'm singing in the choir, I'm, 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 I'm faithful, I'm, 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 I'm teaching in the Sunday school, and you want me to do what? I'm just messing with your mind right now, just trying to get you to think. Everybody say yoke. Yoke. The concept to them as much as us tonight is that a burden... A burden could be a source of blessing. That's just a little too far-fetched. I mean, that doesn't agree with my 
2018 lifestyle. Is it yours? We want it light. And a lot of people like church light, like Bud Light. They don't want too much of it. They want a little bit, but they don't want to, they don't want to go too far. And so, to imagine that a burden, the concept that a burden could be a source of blessing in my life. Really, Hughes, what did you drink before you came to church tonight? A yoke. Yeah, and they say, are, are, are we talking about the same thing? I'm thinking of a yoke. Yeah, we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about that apparatus, that that contraption that they put around the neck of oxen to take them to the field for labor. Oh, oh, that just seems a little bit, oh. How can that be a blessing? That just seems so restrictive. That seems so limiting. I like to be free. I like freedom. But how could getting my neck in one of those things turn out for my good? How could it lead to a better way of life? (laughs) And yeah, it was a wooden bar that had a frame built around that wooden bar that the neck of the ox would go through. Or the horse, whatever. In biblical times, they were oxen. And that they could pull together a load or a wagon or do the work that was needed. Now, everybody say it was restrictive. You're not saying that loud enough. Say it again. It was restrictive. Look that word up when you get home. As a matter of fact, just Google it before you get home. Restrictive. How can restrictions be blessings? I don't like that kind of church. I like that church of the, of the free love. I like that church of grace. I like what you preached about Sunday. Grace. You mean to tell me that restrictive living is rewarding living? Do you mean to tell me that restrictive living is releasing living? I'm telling you that tonight. That if you get connected to the right thing, better yet, if you get corrected Connected to the right one, your life will truly be transformed. If you get connected to the right purpose, there's no limit. I was reading, I I was curious, you know, I've heard these stories about one horse can pull this, two horses can pull. I I read somewhere, I think there's some story out. But Snoops will tell you that it may not be true, but I read it anyway, so I'm going to share it with you. You can make your own conclusion. But somebody said that a horse 
a particular horse could, could pull 800 pounds and another horse could pull 700 pounds. So how much could they pull together? Anybody that knows anything about addition, what's 800 and 700? 1,500. But the reality is it can pull 3,000 pounds. Now, I don't know. I did find this out, that, that, that a, just a general-use oxen can pull anywhere from 10,000 to 12, 13,000 pounds alone. Now, this is what I do know. It may not be twice, but when you harness your potential, not just add to you. He is going to multiply your potential, not just add to your potential. That when you and I go a step further and we put our neck in that yoke and we say, Okay, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want you to teach me how to do this. I want you to teach me how to be productive. Productive. I want you to teach me how to harness my power so that it can be used in a better capacity. I want you to show me how it works. God doesn't just add to your life. He multiplies in your life. And there's some people in this world that will never accept that concept because they are hung up on free grace and free love and, 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 and no law but love, no creed but Christ. They don't want any, they don't want any standard in their life. They don't want any bylaws in their life because those are restrictions. And restrictions are burdens. But what most men call a burden, I have learned to call a blessing. Because God doesn't just add to my life. He multiplies. You give, what happens? He gives back. Press down. Shake them together. Man, that's awesome. Running over. That's called multiplication. The fact is that the best life is the life that carries a burden. If it's the right burden. Now, if it's the burden of religion, if that's all that your mind grasps about this, is this is just... It's like being a Republican or a Democrat, God forbid. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It's like being an independent. The church, being Baptist or Catholic or Pentecostal, a lot of people, the concept is just here. It's a principle. It's not a way of life. They don't, their life is not changed. The way they act is not changed. The words they use are not changed. The people they hang out with, the way they dress is not changed. The way they act is not changed. I mean, I was talking to a gentleman one day, and I mean, about every third or fourth word was a foul word. I'm talking about four-letter words and bigger words than that, that I had my, my ears blushed. I just thought, oh. 
And then he looked at me and said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a preacher. Well, praise the Lord, brother. But Jesus said that if you could get connected to me, I mean really connected to me, harnessed up with me, yoked up, bound. That's, I'm going to give you the, the, the synonyms in the, he, in the Greek that, that would, could be interchanged with that word. Joined, harnessed up, yoked, bound, attached, joined, coupled, controlled by. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. (laughs) If you and I can get in step with Him, if we can get in step with Him, then my life will be blessed beyond measure. Amen. But how can that be a better way of life? Here's what I've got. The yoke was placed on the ox to reign in his power and make it more productive. An ox running by himself and free could do something. But his potential had not been tapped until he was connected to a team. And then you begin to see what they were really capable of doing. And when I got to looking at this today, what the Lord began to speak to me was that this yoke that I'm talking to you about, this restrictive lifestyle that so many people are trying to throw off, that they don't want to have any relationship with or any connection with, that this way of living that is yoked to something, that is committed to something, that is controlled by something, that is harnessed by something, is literally for my good because it is taking my potential and it is maximizing it. What makes the Mississippi River powerful is not how wide it is, but it's when it comes into those narrow channels. What makes a river usable for electricity is that it's not when it flows a mile wide, but it's when they bring it down into those narrow channels and they force the water into a deeper a stream and, and the power of that water when it is condensed and pressed together sends its way through, goes through those generators, and it spins those things and produces electricity. But when it's running a mile wide, it wouldn't light a light bulb up. But when it's channeled into that channel, it can light a city up. That's the same principle for my life and yours. That when we flow a mile wide and an inch deep, we can shout, but we don't know how to walk with God. We can talk in tongues, but we don't know how to talk to our brother.
I didn't know I was going to say all this. I promise you, there, none, none of this is in my notes. It's just coming to me. <laughs> Lord, help me right now. But the yoke was placed on that to capitalize on its productivity and to maximize its potential. And by coupling it with another, it was not only able to pull a thousand pounds or ten thousand pounds, but fifty thousand or multiplication mentioned things. The brute power of an ox is amazing, as I've already mentioned. Its ability to bear loads and pull weights and capacity to do work is almost beyond control, beyond our imagination. But that power, as great as it is, when it is harnessed in team with another one, it is catapulted to a whole different level. And that power, when it is not under control, of anything other than itself is dangerous to itself and to anybody around it. Amen. And not only that, but it's wasted. It's wasted. But when it's harnessed, everybody say harnessed. When it's burdened. I wish I'd have found something I could have wore as a collar tonight. You need a visual demonstration. But when that thing is coupled up with another and it, it begins to learn how to walk in agreement with that other one, its power is maximized. You see, living for God's a whole lot more than just shouting and juking and jiving and feeling good and having goosebumps and There's something about walking with him. And, and, and it's not easy in the beginning because they say that when a young ox that has never had a yoke on it is teamed up, it will pull against that yoke. It will pull so that it will actually rub the hide off of its neck and the neck will be bleeding. But that farmer knows that if it's ever going to reach its potential, it's going to have to keep it in that yoke. Because somewhere down the road, that will is going to be broken. And when it does, it's going to realize, why have I been fighting against the pricks? Why have I been fighting against all this? When if I have yielded to it and I just said, yes, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do that. If you say no, that's, then, I, then it's no. I won't try to argue with you. I won't try to find a way around it. I won't try to figure out a way. Can I carry it this far and then lay it down, pick it back up and carry it? I, I just will take it at face value and I'll do that. That when we begin to live like that, then we begin to walk in unison with him. And that walking in teamwork with him begins to expand the potential of our own life. Amen. And that's what God wants to do anyway. He created you. Why would he want me and you to fail? Why would he want me to end up a tragedy? Why would he create something and then sit back and say, okay, let me see what you can do. 
I mean, you look at Brother J.D., I don't know what everybody thinks about you, but I think you're intricately made. You need some hair help, but so do I. I'm picking over. But the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully created. When, when we had Celicia, we'd never had a baby before. I didn't know, Sister Kennedy, that when they're born, they have all fingers up they had all, they, she didn't have to wait a few days to open her eyes like puppies do. I looked at those little hands. I unwrapped her little body. I looked, she had fingernails just like mine, full-blown full fingernails. And the more I've lived and the more I've learned about the human body and the intricacies and how, how it all works together, it's more impressive than the biggest computers in the world. As a matter of fact, the largest computers in the world cannot reproduce what's in one of our minds. Now, God created that. He made me like that. And he's going to step back and say, okay, let's just see what happens. Don't you think he wants to get involved in that? Don't you think he wants to find a way to connect with me and say, hey, I know you think you're good, but you just, you just wait to see what you're going to be like hooked up to me. That's the way it ought to be in marriage, too. You think you're good alone, but God said it's not good that man be alone. So he made a help me. Not a rival, not somebody he could fight with, not somebody he could argue with, not somebody he could tear down or intimidate or bully or, or, or do any of that. He made her out of him so that when he brought her there, he said, wow, this is it. Literally, in the the Hebrew text, the words that are used to describe Adam's response are so magnified that that's literally his response. Wow, you did this for me? And he said this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And, and for that reason, they, they, they became one flesh. And when they become one flesh and, and they work together, life was magnified. And then what happens when they started operating alone? Sin came in, messed everything up. And then they started blaming one another. Well, I'd be better if, I, if it wasn't for my husband. Or I'd be better if it wasn't for my wife. I could live for God if it wasn't for that burden. Oh, Jesus, did I say that? Oh, please forgive me. I didn't mean to say that. I'm not talking about anybody in this church tonight, all right? I'm just talking in general terms. But how in the world did I get off on this? My point is, why would God... Do everything he's done to create us with the capacities that he created us with, the giftings and the ingenuity and the know-how. I mean, think of all of the technology and, and the advancements in the last 100 years. How our world has morphed, warped into a, a whole different 
I mean, in the last five years, think about the transformation of our life. And mankind has been able to come up with that through the ingenuity of his own mind. That shows you the capacity of the human mind. And yet man alone still is not sufficient to find his maximum ability because the only way I'll ever find that is when I get hooked up with him and I say yes to some restrictions and I say yes to some burdens and I say yes to a a different lifestyle and I say yes, yes, yes. And I learn to walk with him. I'm not fighting against him. I'm not pulling against him. I don't want to go there. If you don't remember anything else, you'll remember you got to laugh a lot tonight. I'm not pointing over here. That was just my hand gesture. All right. I'm not trying to be funny tonight. I'm just trying to get across a point. What some men call a burden. I have come to call my greatest blessing. I don't resent living this lifestyle. I don't think it has limited my life. I don't think it has kept me from anything. As a matter of fact, it has blessed me so much, far beyond what I deserve, far more than I could ever imagine. It has taken me into heavenly places. He has let me be in some incredible place. I'm just saying that I've, I've been able to look around and enjoy life and not be buzzed and not be spent on drugs or alcohol. I, I've been able to enjoy life because I was willing to say no to some things. I was willing to say yes to some things. Most of all, I was Blessed because I was willing to get my neck in that yoke and say, Lord, if this is the way to the best life, then this is the way I want to live. Amen. Amen. It's, it's not a burden, folks. It's a blessing. Because my life has been catapulted into a whole different realm because of him. i got to stop. All right? I'll shut up. That's what Jesus meant when he said, learn of me. Everybody say, learn of me. Learn of me. Let me teach you my ways. Walk with me. Work with me. Amen. Work with me. You know what's good about the Lord? I never finished my thought a while ago. I've got one of those moments going on right now. But if God fearfully and wonderfully made you, he's not going to abandon you to see what you can mess up in your life. He's going to try to get involved in some way to show you what you can be. Anyway, amen. But work with me. Work with me. God's not a taskmaster. He's not hard. He even said, my burden is easy. My burden is easy. It's not. And this is what I was saying a while ago. In a typical yoking of oxen, if it's a brand new ox and he... He, he, he pulls against that, that, that yoke and he tries to, to get away from its restrictiveness and he battles against that restrictiveness. It will literally wear his neck out and he'll bleed and chafe. But the word that Jesus used, my yoke is easy, one translator said, my yoke is felt lined. 
so that even when you pull against it, it's not going to utterly destroy you. I, I, I love you so much that even when you fight me, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm here to help you. But some people never have gotten that concept in their life, of, in their mind about living for God. They think God wants to hurt them. That he's mad at them. And if they don't pray enough and they don't do this enough and they come in, they, they come in shell shocked and, 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 oh, 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 oh. and if God bless them, oh, something to happen. I mean, you ought to come in expecting something to happen. You ought to come in looking for, for, for riches and mercies and grace because that's what God wants to do for me. That's what He wants to do in my life because He has my best interest in mind. And so what he, all these restrictions he puts in my life, they're not chafing. They're not hard. They're felt line. They, they, have, they, they help ease that. So it's, it's not a burden. It's a blessing. And when you learn to walk with him and work with him, you ever, you ever tried to get somebody to work with you? I mean literally work with you. I'm telling you what, I've been so exasperated sometimes trying to help somebody do something or teach them how to do something. And I don't care what you tell them. They do it the way, the way they're going to do it. And, they, and then it doesn't work right, and then they blame you. And I looked down and I said, come on, man, just work with me. Watch me. All right, watch me. Oh, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. Watch me. You have to be gentle with that stroke. You, you can't just hand, you, you can't use a sledgehammer on trim work. I had a young man work for me years ago when I first started, when we first came down here. And he was a roofer and a, frame, a rough framing. He, he, he did that part of the house. Well, I was doing all trim work, custom trim work. In nice homes. And he came in one day, Brother Buddy, and he had a roofing hammer. Now, if you've never seen a roofing hammer, a roofing hammer is, a way, is about that long. It's got a head on it about that big around. And it's got these little grooves going like a waffle. And I said, whoa, we can't do that. He come to where he thought he was going to nail up trim. That was before we had nail guns. Yet you had to use real nails back then. I said, "Oh, you can't use that on this." As a matter of fact, you don't even drive it all the way in. You just drive it almost in, then you get a punch and you push it the rest of the way. Because if you keep hammering, you're going to mess that trim up. Work with me. That's all God's wanting us to do. Just work. He's not hard to get along. He, even if you don't get it the first time, he doesn't throw down and say, okay, that's it. I'm through. You're out. Somebody else. He can't just, come on, come on. You can do this. You, come on. You, get back up. Quit crying. Get out of the corner. Get the thumb out of your mouth. Quit looking for the bottle. Everything's going to be okay. Come on, work with me. 
It's been, some people think I'm being facetious this morning, tonight, but I'm telling you, the literal truth is that trying to get people to understand that God loves them has been one of the hardest things I've had to do in my ministry. Because they say, how could he love me? You just don't know what I've done. I said, I don't have to know what you did. He doesn't even care. Because the Bible said while you were yet sinner, while you was out there doing all that nasty stuff, he was dying for you. And he knew exactly what he was. Of the whole, for the sins of the whole world. Come on. God said, let me work with me. Work with me. Say that with Work with me. That's what I need. Just work with me. This, this, this will work. You'll find out if you'll just work with me. This lifestyle, this way of living is a blessing. It's not a curse. It's not a, it's not a burden. It's not a hindrance. It's, it, this is not legalism. This is, oh, oh my word. This is not legalism, folks. This is, I don't even know how to say it. This is liberating business. Because until you figure out why that burden is there, you'll never find the liberty in living for God to where it becomes easy. Amen. Stand with me. I'm through. I'm not through, but I'm through. I like the way the message said, learn the rhythms of grace. Learn the rhythms of God's unmerited favor. The stuff you don't deserve that keeps coming into your life. Amen. He said, if you let me teach you how to live, how to walk, how to succeed, you will find I'm gentle, I'm easy. I'm humble. I'm I'm not hard. And most importantly, you'll find it's rewarding. It's beneficial. You'll find rest. Wow. What a powerful word, rest. A ceasing from struggle. A ceasing from strife. Amen. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and low. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, try it. Walk with me. Work with me. Amen. Let's see what happens. See what kind of blessing begins to pour. God, God begins to pour out in your life when you quit being hung up on, on all of the stuff you can't do. On the restrictions, the limitations, the constraints. Well, it's just too conservative for me. (laughs) Say it. You and I can be our own worst enemy. Most of the time we are. I have found this out. I don't need a devil. I'm bad all by myself. (laughs) I'm stubborn. My dad said bullheaded. Hard-headed. Not, I'm not listening. 
I'm not paying attention. Are you, are you watching me? Oh, yeah, Dad, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. No, you're not watching me. Are you listening to me? They got that glazed look on their faces like, yeah, I'm listening, Dad, I'm listening. No, you're not listening. Because if you listen to me, and you'll walk with me, and you'll work with me, you're going to look around, you're going to say, man, where did all this come from? How did I get here right now? Wow. I want some of you just to look around at your life right now. And I want you to think about where you would be if it were not for the grace of God. What pitfall? What, what train wreck? What catastrophe would have put your life in a whole different orbit? And you would have been the guy out there on the street with that little sign, we'll, we'll take anything. Anything will help. Or that one scrambling through the garbage bin trying to find something to eat. Or that one running through the back alleys trying to find another hit. There go I, but by the grace of God. Man, God's been good to me, folks. I said, He's been good to me. And I can't tell you how, when it all happened, I just know this. One day I woke up and looked around and thought, man, 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 this is cool. Look what I did. And God said, no, 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 no. Let me show you what you did. And he gives me a little glimpse of what I did. I said, oh, I'm sorry, God. Look what we did. Look what the Lord has done. Praise God. Reach over and take somebody by the hand. God, help us tonight to live up to our potential. To understand that you're not against us, but you're for us. That you're our friend. That you want us to do good. You want us to succeed. You want our life to be blessed. You want our potential to be reached and maximized. And if we would just stop trying to do it our way, that blessings... And multiplication would take place in our life. And that yoke and that burden and that restriction would be viewed in a whole different light. And we would rejoice. Amen. We would rejoice. Amen. What some men call a burden, I call a blessing. Say it with me. What some men call a burden, I call a blessing. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, he was preaching to you tonight.